Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome back to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Lutz Addison. I've not done one of these for a while, so hopefully the trusted trio of Theo Squires, David Lynch and Tom Cavilla can help guide me through it. Much like Virgil van Dijk tomorrow night with whoever lines up alongside him against Real Madrid. We'll be previewing that game, of course, very shortly. We'll talk about the win over Newcastle United as well, assessing the performance and where it leaves the Reds in terms of that top four chase. Theo, you were at St James's Park, I think, over the weekend. We'll come to, to you first. Obviously, the second successive game in which Liverpool have looked certainly a lot more like themselves, particularly in that first 20 minutes. A little bit different after the red card, but certainly a, a welcome side ahead of facing Real Madrid later this week. Yeah, it was. Um, I know before the game we were all saying it's not must win for Liverpool, but they can't afford to lose it. But now, having got that victory, it's like, yeah, it was what must win. You needed to close that gap on Newcastle. And you go looking into it after this game now, it's what, a six-point gap, seven points on Spurs. Is it in fourth now? That looks a hell of a lot better. When I mean, you know, by the time um, Newcastle play the Premier League again, it's Man City away. You could have completely wiped out that point deficit. It was a much-needed win, but it was a good performance as well. Obviously, Newcastle, there was a lot of emotion for them going into this game with the sad news about Christian Atsu's passing and the them celebrating Bobby Robson's, I think it was 90th birthday. And then they've got the Wembley Cup final next, uh, next weekend. So they were all on a high. The team's doing well. And St. James's Park was rocking from the very first minute, as you'd expect. They've got a lot of pace and trickery and they're getting behind Liverpool's defence. And you're just thinking, please don't concede a silly opening goal. If you get this first up goal, then it's in your hands. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, it didn't quite entirely deplete the home crowd, but it gave Liverpool that little bit of confidence. I mean, you look at the two goals back, but they're both superb, aren't they? In completely different ways. Uh, Trent with the, this stunning lofted pass for Darwin. He, he brings it down and leathers at home. It's not the shot we've probably seen him hit at the keeper so many times this season or send just wide of goal, but he looks a bit more confident recently. And he, he deserved that finish. And then the team move for Gakpo. Oh my word, I didn't realise how good it was until you see the replays back on the drive over, starting from Allison, the little turn from Besetic in midfield, the interchanging, and then the chip through ball from Salah first time for Gakpo to make it two goals in two games. It, it could have been um, one where the red card changes completely and Liverpool go and run away with it, but it did knock them a little bit. Newcastle dug in. They still put up a really good fight, hit the woodwork a couple of times and created chances. But Liverpool created chances too. At that point, they managed the game really well. As you said in that intro, it feels like they're back to themselves a little bit. 
they just got to keep on winning. They've been in this position before. Hopefully they can make it three wins in a row against Real Madrid. And then it's not just the race for the top four that's back on. It's uh, the race for getting to that Champions League final in May as well. Yeah, it certainly feels a lot different now. I think it's almost a weird one where if they hadn't have got the red card, Newcastle, then maybe Liverpool would have won by even more. You'd think that possibly Salah could have gone on and, and scored from that position. They certainly looked a lot better in that period. But David, how sort of confident are you that this is a corner turn? It's Everton, and we, we kind of sort of talked about the, the caveats after that of, well, they're not very good. Frankly, they're in the relegation zone. Newcastle, obviously, considerably better. Real Madrid, considerably better again is is this the start of, of something have, have you seen anything different in the last two games to maybe one or two other performances this season where we've thought maybe it was a corner turn and ultimately it didn't turn out to be I think definitely the the Everton performance made you think that, that Liverpool sort of looked like them old, their old selves a little bit more and that that's why it was so much sort of confidence not confidence necessarily going into this more this game but maybe a little bit more hope um, and and then the, the problem is with the Newcastle one, I just think it's really difficult to judge because I think they did a really good job with 10 men. Liverpool knew they had an advantage, not not just in terms of scoreline, but obviously then numerically at a very early stage of the game. So that can, you know, maybe switch you off a little bit sometimes and particularly knowing that you've got that big game against Real Madrid to coming up. So it's sort of hard to say whether they sort of backed up the performance against Everton with another great performance against Newcastle because I think the circumstances dictated that that was maybe difficult to do. And so it's sort of hard to judge uh, really sort of the overall performance. But the fact that they got themselves in the position of being 2-0 up and, and could have been 3-0 up before the before the uh, the red card sort of suggests that, that something's going right. And I think, you know, it's worth factoring in, isn't it, that, that Newcastle were unbeaten at home in, in 24 games, I think it was, up to that point. So, you know, the, the only game they'd lost all season was the one against Liverpool at Anfield as well. And so it just shows you how well they're doing. So maybe you just got to factor all that in and say, you know, at the end of the day, really encouraging result. And, also accept that sometimes this season, and, and I think this will be the case to the end of the season, Liverpool aren't going to be perfect. They're not going to be what they have been at times under Jurgen Klopp. They're just going to have to sort of battle it out. And and I think one of the one of the best things you can do in these moments now, and, and what, what is most encouraging about it, is that they look a real threat in terms of scoring goals now, which is, you know, in the worst periods of this season hasn't been the case. And I think if you are a flawed side, and Liverpool are, they probably will be until they sort of sort out that midfield situation fully. And if you can score goals, you can mask that a lot of the time. And, and that's one of the sort of main positives, I think, to take from the Newcastle game going forward is is that threat is there. And, you know, you can combine that then with the with the general overall, you know, good performance against Everton. Hopefully it's just signs that Liverpool are sort of getting somewhere and that, you know, if they can back it up against Real Madrid, then, you know, like Theo says, really, there's there's a lot to be, to be played for for the remainder of this season. Yeah, it's certainly a lot more of a, a positive outlook. And I think that the goal scoring is a, a really key point, Tom. We've seen a bit of the, the link-up. We saw, obviously, Darwin Nunez score the goal, Cody Gapfo as well for, for the second game in a row. But Mohamed Salah as well looks back to his best. And then you've got the changes off the bench. You think Firmino and Jota and Harvey Elliott that's been playing in that position. It, it suddenly looks now like Liverpool have got quite a few options and a couple of them might even be in form. Yeah, I think that's been... You know, one of the problems in recent weeks, really, um, I think particularly in the games against Brighton and Wolves, teams like that when Liverpool were, you know, really struggling in the game and, and you sort of looked at the bench. I think Ian did a piece sort of referencing this after the game, you know, and there wasn't really anything to sort of look at on the bench for Liverpool. You know, there were Ben Doe, people like that. Um, you know, although he comes on and does make a little bit of an impact, you can't be relying on him to sort of turn things around for you in a 
in a Premier League game, really, just because of his age. Um, you know, James Milner, as well, as, as good as he is coming on off the bench, he's been someone, obviously, Liverpool have been able to turn to still, but, you know, that's someone you want to bring on to sort of shore up, shore things up and, and sort of see games out, not when you're looking for a goal. So, the fact that they've got the likes of Jota and Firmino now back is, is massive, like you said, just because there just hasn't been anyone to turn to when you needed a goal. Uh, Nunez, that's a bit of a concern regarding if he's going to be injured or not. You know, just from what we've seen in recent weeks, you'd hope he's going to be okay to carry on with the team because he, he just is such a threat in the final third with that pace in behind and defences. And Gapro, yeah, like you said, he's looked really bright in the last couple of games after a bit of a slow start for him. Um, you know, it was a bit. The first six games from him wasn't the most inspiring, but you know, he looks like he's found his feet now. So, you know, you'd expect him to start as well on uh, Tuesday night and and see what he can do against Real Madrid. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think that's it, isn't it, Theo? It just looked a little bit more like Liverpool. Cody Gakpo was doing that kind of false nine type-ish role. We had Trent playing the the passes, obviously does the the perfect ball for for Darwin's goal. It it just looked a little bit more like Liverpool, which I think is, well, it's certainly certainly no bad thing to have kind of got back into a a bit of a a groove all over the pitch. But but Trent in particular, I thought, was was really quite good. Yeah, Trent was superb. He was getting forward really well and linking up with Salah. Um, and he was good defensively as well. Like I think um, it was a character who gave St. Maximum man of the match. And I know he, he was live, but he did get him behind and create a couple of things. I still thought Trent managed him really well. It's not as though he got burnt for pace too many times and made to look silly. I think the only time there was one moment you think, oh God, that's a bit nervy, is when uh, he actually got past Gomez, who was trying to cover for Trent, and Trent was actually more in field. But he has started to look more like himself in recent weeks, and maybe the assist numbers officially haven't been there. What with him having the one in the derby taken off him because of the deflection, and I think was it the Leicester one where well, it's known goals so that doesn't officially count as assist. But they are starting to rack up again now. And that's what three official ones in the space of a month, six weeks, and he looks more confident too. And it's not just him; it's the entire back four. You like looking at players like Joe Gomez and Andy Robertson; they're looking more like themselves. Virgil Van Dijk comes back in, and there was a little bit of rustiness, I suppose, in the first half. The second half, he was a colossus. It's just everything was like magnetic for him. And he was just booting it clear, doing a trademark traditional defensive job to ensure Liverpool kept hold of this clean sheet. And then the front three, it, it looks like it was with Salah, Firmino and Mane. When you've got Nunes on the left, just being this electric player cutting inside, you've got the finishing ability, can link up with the players. It was his great link-up play with Salah that eventually resulted in um, not the red card. There was a chance before there where Salah was booted off, wasn't there? Uh, was it Almiron came back and just took him out? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was one, two or something there. But that, it's those paces on the counter-attacks. And that's something we saw against Everton as well. And Gakpo is finding his feet more. He is filling in this uh, deeper role, linking up. It's maybe not as eye-catching or as pretty to watch, but all you can ask is you get in those blossoming relationships and you're providing the goals. Um, I think midfield, it wasn't the best midfield performance, but it's still a step in the right direction for Bino, a step in the right direction for Jordan Henderson and Bessetic. He's just a class act for someone so young. As I already said, that turn for his role in the second goal was superb and something you'd expect from watching a Xavi or an Iniesta. Now, don't be, if you're watching this, all these fan accounts saying I'm comparing him to those two because that is insanely big footsteps from Tevil, but he is a player that oozes class as well. It's like watching Liverpool 
when they're challenging for Premier League titles and Champions League titles, as opposed to scrapping with uh, the mid-table sides and getting battered 3-0 at Wolves, uh, Brentford, Brighton, or whatever we've had over the last few weeks. Yeah, certainly, certainly a lot better, wasn't it? I think a big thing as, as well, Lynchy, is that Liverpool just didn't concede the first goal in that game. They've, they've scored the first goal, particularly in these sorts of, of big games. That makes a, a huge, huge difference. But Almiron did have that one-on-one with Alisson. I've got to mention that the goalkeeper, he was, was absolutely brilliant. And I suppose that's it, isn't it? If you've got a goalkeeper who can make those saves, you've got forwards at the other end of the pitch who are suddenly in form and starting to score. Obviously, it still matters what happens in between those two things. And obviously, the midfield and the defence can help. But certainly, if you've got an informed goalkeeper and someone to score at the other end, that's half the problem solved. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think you know, when, you, when you're not a perfect team and Liverpool have been very close to a perfect team for a few years, then, you know, football matches are essentially decided by what goes on in, in both boxes. And at the minute, you know, Liverpool just have to give themselves up to being the team who's like that. You know, I, I watched Manchester United at the weekend, actually, and, and thought, you know, they're getting a lot of praise at the moment, rightly so, because I think you know Ten Hag's doing a great job in terms of turning them round from where they've been and, and turning them into a genuine challenger for top four finish. But you, you watch the game against Leicester, and you know David De Gea is holding Leicester at bay really on his own uh, up to a point, and then Manchester United's class shows at the other end of the pitch. And I think you know if you're a top four side, that's really what it's about. Is is you know sometimes you're going to rely on your goalkeeper. You're not going to be perfectly solid all the time. You're going to need your goalkeeper, and I think in Alice and Liverpool have got probably the best in the world at the moment. Um, and then, and then, yeah. If you if you manage to keep that clean sheet, then it's about you you giving yourself the opportunity to get the first goal. And with Liverpool's sort of strength and depth, they've got in attacking areas now that players are coming back fit. Then they, you know they've got they give themselves a really good chance of getting that first goal. And we've we've seen it in the last couple of games. And you know that the combination of having that unbelievable goalkeeper in there, and and then the the, the quality we've got in attack is is enough to get you wins, and, and and should be enough to get them a lot of wins between now and the end of the season, and hopefully. That leaves them in the mix of the top four. Yeah, in terms of that, Tom, where do you think Liverpool's chances stand now? It's probably only a week or, or just over a week since we kind of discounted them and thought they might have, have been just about out of it, but certainly looks a lot better now, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think Liverpool will get top four, to be honest. I don't think Newcastle will, you know, carry on the form they've shown in the first part of the season. You know, when people were talking about them, you know, being in the top four, I, I didn't really see it sort of long term. And, you know, from what we've seen in them the last few weeks, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to sustain that over the whole season. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but I just don't think Newcastle are going to get in it. United and City and Arsenal, they're probably three that are going to be in. So it looks like it's just going to be for that final spot. It's probably, it's probably just between Liverpool and Spurs, to be honest, I would say. Um, I think Newcastle probably end up around sixth, sixth or seventh, maybe. Um, you know, between Brighton, but I, I think with Liverpool and Spurs, they're going to be the two that are battling out for fourth. Liverpool potentially get third if United, you know, go on a tough run, get a couple of injuries. You know, they they seem to have been able to keep quite a lot of people fit in recent months. United, so you know, if Rashford was to get injured, for example, um, you know, that would be interesting to see how they manage that. And Arsenal and City are pretty nailed on for it. So I think I think just from what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, though, I think Liverpool were going in the right direction. They seem to have got the confidence back. And, you know, we've seen it a couple of years ago when they went on that run where they won eight of the last 10 games to get in the top four. And they even got third in the end. So 
Yeah, I, I would say fourth is probably the most realistic, but I wouldn't rule out third necessarily. But I, I probably would say 75% confident they'd get top four at the moment. I think just the it, big thing is just getting all the players back because that's what's that's what's been the difference, not having all those players available. So, yeah, now if they're all coming back and no one else big gets injured, I think I think they'll get in. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, just on the and the injury point is is absolutely right. I think if Liverpool can name a consistent side between now and the end of the season, it would be just so massive tip for them in terms of getting on some sort of consistent run of form because it's been such a such an issue for them. I think it's you know you look at Arsenal having the you know the best season they've had in years and years and years, and that that so much of that is down to consistency of selection. They've they've barely had any injuries, and in fact, we've had a couple recently where Partey's been suddenly pulled out of the team, and 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 you know they they really don't look the same team anymore. So you know Liverpool have been dealing that with that in basically every area of the pitch so far this season. So you know if you can get that consistency, and I do think we said even even at the worst periods this season that you're only ever. Because top four is not getting ninety points to win the league, it's a different standard entirely. You were only Liverpool were only ever sort of five wins on the spin away from from getting there, and I, you know we think we said that consistently on this podcast. The only thing was you couldn't imagine Liverpool getting five wins on the spin because of how bad they've been. But now it's starting to look like that's a possibility if you just keep that eleven on the pitch and not have too many injuries. You know the the Nunez one is it is maybe a blow for the Real Madrid game, but hopefully could be back to the weekend even if he misses this one. So. You know, it just allows you to keep some consistency there and I think that will you know should sort of pay dividends in terms of the results hopefully The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo The schedule comes into it as well because as bad as Liverpool have been in 2023 when you look at it and broke it down uh, pretty much half of those games were cup games so it's like you've not really ruined your Premier League chances too much because you've got your bad performances out of the way in competitions you're not really going to be focusing on come the end of the season anyway. And when, when you look at who they've actually played first half of the season, isn't it only um, Chelsea and City they played at home out of the big teams in that first half? And then that's including like all the teams who come up from the championship. When you go into them away from home, they're tough games as well. And they've got pretty much all of those away from home too. So the second half of the season is a much kinder run for them compared to some of the opponents, some of their rivals and it's even when you break it down to the teams they've got games of hand against well a couple of them aren't playing this weekend because the League Cup final and then well they've got the game in hand against Wolves so if they win that, win against Palace at the weekend so they can go level points for Newcastle Spurs of Chelsea this weekend and as I already said um, City, Newcastle, when Newcastle back in league action, that same weekend Liverpool have Manchester United at home and we're already talking here what, second week of March and you think well Last week, you thought Liverpool were completely dead and buried. They'd be lucky to finish in the top 10. They could easily be breathing down the necks of United within another couple of weeks here, and it all changes so quickly. But they need to keep players fit. They need to have that consistent team, as Lynch and Tom have said, because it gives them that little bit more. Like, How much of a difference does it make when you can look to your substitutes bench and go winning 2-0? We've got Real Madrid at the weekend. Right, Jota, Firmino, Elliot, Milner, you're on half an hour left. It just makes such a difference. We saw that last year when they had so many players fit and they could chop and change. They could just take it game by game, make these mass substitutions and just manage players a hell of a lot better. And this is about taking into consideration players that are not even making the bench at the moment. And that's a, an image you didn't think we'd even see two, three weeks ago. And we've still got Diaz to come back. We've still got Canate to come back. Hopefully, touch wood, it's going to get a hell of a lot better from here on in. This is just the start. 
yeah, still got Thiago to come back as well. There's some big, big names missing, but certainly Liverpool looking in a much, much stronger position to qualify for the Champions League. And Vinci, the Champions League is up next. Let's talk Real Madrid. Jurgen Klopp said there was a chance that Darwin Nunez could play in that one. I think that would be certainly a big boost, but I think either way, I'm just really looking forward to this fixture now. I think after the, the last couple of fixtures that Liverpool have played, they've suddenly looked a lot better. There's nothing better than a Champions League night at Anfield. Yeah, I think I think when the draw was made, I sort of went on a bit of a rant about, you know, because people were, oh, you know, no Real Madrid, dreading it and not looking forward to it. And, and Liverpool had had a difficult season up to that point, so it was, I could, could sort of understand that. But I was like, I'm sure things will look a lot better by then. Obviously, Liverpool have been through the ringer a little bit since then. So it's, you know, it's taken these last couple of games to really improve the mood and, and let people look forward to it. But I, I'm very much still of the mindset that, the, yeah, it is something to get excited about. It's an absolutely huge game, you know, there's been a few defeats to Real Madrid in in recent years, but they haven't come at Anfield. Let's you know, let's see what that's like. That that changes things. You've got a Liverpool side that's growing in confidence. Real Madrid themselves are not playing particularly well, so you know you throw in the Anfield factor as well, and and can you get in the heads a little bit? It's, yeah, it, it, it's it's something to relish, and you know for Liverpool knowing that they're out of the FA Cup and the League Cup, this is the sort of last chance really to sort of extend any cup involvement this season, and it's a big one in the biggest competition of all. So. You know, I think it's something that every fan who's going to turn up there on the night is is going to want to make this a special night. I know the players will. There's so you know, there's so many of them who were involved for the first time really in in these sort of big games. I know, you know, hopefully Nunez can make it because I think he could be key in terms of what he can do to Real Madrid. But also because you know, it's his first one at Anfield where it's you know really massive like this, one of these big big Anfield nights. Um, apart from I suppose the one he was involved with in Benfica, but he gets to shy that from the Liverpool perspective Cody Gakpo big one for him you know not had a lot of Champions League involvement in his career and, and so you know newer elements of this side really getting their, their chance to shine and yeah it, it's just something to be relished and, and look forward to and uh, yeah I, I think it's going to be a good game and I think Liverpool have, by grabbing the confidence from these last two games have, have really given themselves a chance yeah, you look at that Real Madrid side as well, Tom. A couple of big players missing. Tony Kroos and already in Germany, both ill. Karim Benzema is back, but hasn't played loads of football recently. There's obviously still loads of, of big, big names in there, but you do start to look at it and think, you know, Liverpool suddenly have started to look better. There's the feeling of, of positivity going into this one from a Liverpool perspective very much is there now. Yeah, I think if you're a Liverpool fan, you'll be you know, fairly confident going into it. The only thing I would say is, you know, I was quite confident Liverpool would beat Real Madrid in the last two Champions League finals they played them in, and Real Madrid just seemed to have a, a knack of you know turning it on even if they're not playing well, which is a bit of a concern because um, you wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they managed to do something like that again against Liverpool, even if they don't play particularly well in the two legs. Um, you know, we saw it last season; they did it in pretty much all of their knockout games against Chelsea, Man City. They didn't play very well in any of them, to be honest, and somehow still managed to get to the final. Didn't play amazingly against Liverpool in the final either and had still won. So that that's the only sort of concern I have with this tie is just a just thing about Real Madrid in this competition that, yeah, they just seem to have a bit of luck on their side quite a lot of the time. But, you know, Liverpool are also, you know, renowned for performing in the Champions League as well. So... You know, when they're at Anfield, they'll fancy themselves against anyone, even if it's Real Madrid. And um, you know, and then that tie a couple of years ago against them, you know, when Liverpool had all the injuries as well, there was no fans obviously there, so that made a bit of a difference in terms of you know, it wasn't wasn't quite what it should have been. So, 
yeah, Liverpool, I think, will, I'd back them to sort of to win this tie at the home leg at least. Um, you know, see if you can take a lead back to the Bernabeu and go from there, really. But I think they'll be up for it just based on the last two games. They look like they're really, you know, getting it together now. So I would be confident that Liverpool can do some damage to this Madrid team because, like you said, they're not quite the same Madrid we've seen. A bit like Liverpool, really, over the last few years. They're not quite at their peak anymore, shall we say. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, we know whatever happens tomorrow, that you can't sort of rule out anything, as Tom says. What Real Madrid did last season was basically look as though they were going to go out at every point and then somehow miraculously come back. But if Liverpool could get a win tomorrow night, that would certainly set them up nicely for the second leg. Do you think... Liverpool have to go and win or would you take a draw in the game tomorrow? I'm just admiring Tom's positivity here. He's got Liverpool to finish third, Liverpool to knock out Real Madrid. If you get these right, you might as well go and put some something on the lottery or something, Tom, because it's going to come in for you. Um, I'm doing the it home tonight. game is massive for Liverpool, isn't it? Like They need to make the power of Anfield count. They've only won. No, they haven't even won. They've drawn once, haven't they, with Real Madrid in like the last six meetings. Since that they destroyed them in 2008-2009 with the the four 0 win at Anfield and Ben Ayoun's winner at the Bernabeu, and there's only so many times you think, oh, Liverpool get their revenge this time. They can prove a point. Real Madrid have had beaten over the, of them over the, the past decade, but there are certain factors that come into this, where it's Salah coming off injured in a final, the fact that there's no fans at Anfield, or the fact that fans were clearly very. Um, Scarred, shall we say, going into the Paris final and everything there just not feeling right at all. This is a time where Anfield can be Anfield. Anfield can recreate Barcelona 4 0, the Dortmund 4 3, these famous atmospheres that we've had time and time again and make a, a Real Madrid clash a proper Anfield European night. And we know how big that can be for Liverpool in Europe. And it's great for them that they can have this chance to go and build, hopefully, a first leg lead. But then Real Madrid will say exactly the same about the Bernabeu. And we saw that countless times last year where they looked dead and buried and then they somehow came back from the brink in ways that they shouldn't have, ways that out Liverpool. Liverpool's great comebacks over the years. So all Liverpool can do is take it a game at a time. You get the job done at Anfield, you've given yourself a chance and then you've got to manage the game well at the Bernabeu and make sure that you don't give Real Madrid the opportunity to stage a three-goal comeback in five minutes or whatever ridiculous things we saw them doing against PSG, uh, Man City and Chelsea. They've played them enough times to know exactly what they're going to be like. They've played Carlo Ancelotti sides enough times to know exactly what his teams are like as well. When they lost the final last year, Ancelotti said they were too predictable. I suppose the got players now can offer them something a little bit different that Real Madrid won't be too accustomed to, like Gakpo, like Nunes if he's fit but they can just focus on themselves. You can't get yourself get too caught up with Real Madrid. They've got Modric, who's won however many Champions Leagues. They've got Vinicius. They've got Schuermeni. I know he's missing this one, but they've got all these world-class players. Like Courtois, who made a ridiculous amount of saves in that final. They just need to make focus on doing their jobs to the best of their ability, using Anfield's atmosphere to really unsettle Real Madrid and give Real Madrid something to worry about because they get under their skin They've got a chance. And we've seen that time and time again. When Liverpool have got a chance, usually you back them. I think it'd be really interesting, Lynchy, to kind of see how both teams approach this one. I know Luka Modric has been talking about 
defences being decisive in the first leg and maybe not going too gung-ho. I, I wonder whether it might become a little bit like the, the Bayern Munich game. Was that from 2019, was it, where it was nil-nil in the, the first leg and Liverpool had to, to do the job in the second? I wonder whether it might be a little bit cagey like that. But then I suppose, you know, an early goal one way or the other and suddenly all that can change. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think I think Real Madrid's tactics were sort of decided for them really ahead of the last year's final, just on the basis that Liverpool were doing so well. They were absolutely flying. They were the dominant team in Europe, really. So it, it sort of made sense for Real Madrid to just say, okay, you know, let's let's show some humility about this. We've sort of needed some luck on route to the final, so we're going to try and just sit in and frustrate. And it didn't actually kind of work that well for them because Liverpool ended up with you know, quite a few chances really in the end that he maybe should have done better with in the final. But, you know, he did set the pattern of play and the idea was to sort of close the spaces and and, and and make it difficult for Liverpool. This time around, I wonder whether they'll just be tempted to play a bit more just because, you know, they'll see that, yes, they're not having the greatest of seasons, but Liverpool aren't either and, and probably in a worse state than they are at the moment in terms of where they are in the table, certainly in the amount of points they've collected. So, you know, I just wonder whether that will make them, yeah, make them play a little bit more or maybe underestimate Liverpool a little bit more than they did going into the, the, the final in Paris. And, you know, if that's the case, that's a real opportunity for Liverpool to sort of, you know, to seize on that because they do, they do play a bit more and, and the crowd gets involved and, and there's pressing situations that'll get the crowd up. That That's when things could, you know, Liverpool and Anfield in general can really get on top of you. So hopefully, hopefully Real Madrid do underestimate them a little bit and, and do try and play a little bit more rather than being as, like you say, as cagey as they, they maybe were in the Paris final because I think, yeah, it'll give Liverpool an opportunity to do something. But it's, yeah, they're so good in these knockout ties as well that I just think, you know, if, if it does come to a situation where Liverpool are sort of really putting pressure on and they go 1-0 up or whatever, Real Madrid are smart enough to think we'll just get out of here with a 1-0 defeat or, you know, and, and really shut things down. So it's going to be, yeah, I think there's going to be ebbs and flows there as well and, and, and Real Madrid are just the masters of that. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting challenge for Liverpool and, you just, you just hope we can come out on top of one of these because you get a bit sick of Real Madrid now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they've certainly played them enough times to have practice of being able to, to do something against them. So we'll see what happens. Just before we finish, we shall pick our teams for the game. I think they'll probably be fairly similar teams to what we saw against Newcastle, but we shall go through. I'll start with you, Theo. Obviously, Alison Becker will be in goal. But in defence, would you keep it the same or is there possibly an argument for Matic to come back in? I'd keep it the same. It's um, it's got a clean sheet. Gomez and Van Dijk. It's a it's a good partnership. It's got that mixture of pace and power, and we know Real Madrid but pace and attack. And I think is not the, the fastest as he used to be, but you, you want a bit more pace than them. When Gomez has played so well against Newcastle, the majority building on that Everton performance, don't really see it a reason to change it. Like Liverpool, they they need a bit of rhythm at the moment. When you've got back to back wins, keep the back four the same. That's where you start game, winning games from, isn't it? Like if you they keep a clean sheet. And he takes a goal. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a, a decent place to start. Tom, is it the same for you? Is there an argument for Matip? Are you keeping Gomez? If you are going to keep Gomez, you can talk us through your midfield as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one. I think you could potentially bring Matip in, but I think maybe Gomez, maybe just stick with him for this one. Um, you know, just in case, you know, Real Madrid's pace and attack as well. If, you know, you need extra cover for Vinicius... You know, Gomez maybe is a better option in terms of dealing with that. So, yeah, I, I would probably keep it um, the same in terms of the midfield. Um, I'd be tempted to maybe keep it the same as well from Newcastle with Henderson, Fabinho, Bacetic. It's just whether, 
you know, this is Besetic's obviously played in a few games now, but it's a different level this this particular fixture. But I think Klopp will probably trust him to start him for this game. Um, I think, yeah, I think they'll probably keep it as those three. But um, would have quite liked to see Milner play so he could uh, renew his rivalry. Although Casemiro is not going to be there, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, challenge you put on Casemiro in that game at Anfield a couple of years ago which seemed to wind up the Real Madrid players quite a lot um, maybe bring Milner on later on in the game if they're winning keep, or keep it as the three I think yeah The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Yeah I'm sure we'll see Milner at some point if for no other reason than if Trent gets booked then he'll miss the second leg so possibly there might be a might, might be a Milner right back at, at some point I would have thought but uh, then to your defensive midfield are you keeping it the same as Newcastle or are you mixing it up? Yeah no I think I keep it the same I think I, I think with with Gomez your biggest worry about him sometimes is that you know he can get a bit bullied up against physical centre forwards. But I don't think it's going to be that type of game. I think he, you know in games where it's this the football insides come up against him, he's really good. Re- you know, really smart at reading that sort of play and, and sort of good. At, it's this pacing behind him. He's he's got that recovery pace so that's helpful. And in midfield, yeah, same again as well. I think on by Chessage, I think it, it is a big test test for him this, and you know you do feel for him a bit being thrown into a game like this. But I, I think he'd be relishing it. He's so full of confidence at the moment and. At the end of the day, you know, he deserves to start this. This should be the reward for everything he's putting up to this point. And I think he'll be out there thinking, you know, he's a, he's a laddie grew up in Spain, thinking, you know, what an opportunity to to show what I'm all about against, you know, Spain's biggest club or, or one of the top two at least. And yeah, I, I, I'm really interested to see how he gets on because that's, you know, there's still that real class in that Real Madrid midfield. So a real test for him, but an exciting one. Yeah, certainly he's going to need the uh, the likes of Fabinho and Henderson alongside him to help him through. But luckily, it looks like they've turned a, a bit of a corner as well in recent times. So hopefully that can continue. So yeah, welcome to you first for the forward line again. I suppose it's probably the same as what it was at the weekend, assuming, of course, that Darwin Nunez can play. You might not get into Steve on midfield then. There was me going to put Curtis Jones, Oxley Chamberlain and, uh, I don't know, Leighton Clarkson, even though he's not even at the club at the moment yet. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> listen to your midfield then. Go on. Uh, after all that, it's probably going to be the same. Like Pesetic, there's no fear about him at all, is there? Like, he's, you remember when Jack Wilshire absolutely tore the best Barcelona midfield apart? It was when he was at the very start of his career and when he played without that fear. And sometimes these teenage players do have that when they're high on confidence, when they're doing well. So, fingers crossed, Pesetic can have his own like big Liverpool moment there. And you think it's against the Spanish Giants, he's a young Spanish lad. It's a game that he'll be licking his lips at the prospect of playing, having not had any inkling of being anywhere near it when the draw was made. And really, you look at the players who are left in contention. Who else do you throw in? Naby Keita. Well, he's not going to be at the club, probably, come the summer. You might as well stick with the ones that are doing well, who you know are part of your long term, given that reward. And then, front three, it, it all comes down to Darwin Nunes. If Darwin Nunes is fit, and I'm, I'm guessing they're currently out training. So if he's not on that training field, my answer might change here. But if he's fit and he can start, or if he can play, you start him because he is this agent of chaos. And when Ancelotti said Liverpool were too predictable, Nunes coming in was to bring him that unpredictability. If he's not fit, well, it's a straight choice between Jota and Firmino. This one's a lot harder to go for because Jota's been out for that much longer. But Firmino was back in training after him. So it's... counter those against each other who has got more in the legs to give you 
an hour because neither of them are going to be able to do a full 90 minutes. I, I'd probably lean more towards uh, Firmino down the middle just because he's done so many of these European nights before to Liverpool and it wasn't as long a layoff. But then the downside of if you're doing that, you're putting Gakpo on the left-hand side when he's been doing so well down the middle. There is a lot of uh, Jurgen Klopp to weigh up here. We know the players, we just don't know where exactly they'll line up and it all comes down to how David Nunes feels, um, I suppose, come midday tomorrow when his shoulder's aching or if he's okay to play through it. Yeah, I'm sure Darwin will do everything he can to be on the pitch. Tom, if Darwin Nunez wasn't to play, which way would you go with the front three? Yeah, I agree with Theo actually on that. I, I think I'd probably start Firmino just ahead of Jota for this one. With Firmino down the middle and get from the left and Salah on the right, obviously. Yeah, I just think Firmino, like Theo would say, he's just got a bit more... The no experience he always seems to do well in these European games, especially at Anfield as well. So, yeah, I, I think I'd probably bring Jota on later on in the game if you need a bit more up front. So, Firmino would be the one obviously to go off at that point. So, but I, I would probably start Firmino um, if if Nunez isn't available. Yeah, he's not not scored for a long time. Jota has he an inchy, but a couple of injuries in that period would be, be a good time for, for him to get back on the score sheet, even if he didn't start this one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I'd, I'd be more tempted to start Jota. I think personally, if 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 Nunez doesn't make it, just because I think I thought Firmino was was appalling actually against Newcastle when he came on. He gave the ball away an awful lot. I think he was getting an earful from from Jurgen for it as well, um, probably rightly so. I mean, it, 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 that's that was out of character that cameo. But I just think you know maybe he's just not quite quite there and not quite sharp at the moment. So maybe and with Jota, yes, he hasn't scored in a while. But like you say, a lot of injuries in there, and I also just think. You know, if it's going to be a tight game and you, you get someone in one-on-one, -on -one, do you want it to be Firmino or Jota? And I lean towards Jota. I just think he's, he, you know, when he's at his best, he, he can be deadly in those positions. And I think it'd be a, a big game that you'd relish a, a chance to come back into. But we'll, yeah, yeah, hopefully Nunes is fit as well because I think, you know, he is fit and in form and, and, and it would be a shame if he was to miss this. Yeah, certainly we hope that Darwin Nunez will be fit and that would leave then Jota and Firmino to come off the bench, which would certainly be no bad thing. Just before we finish then, let's do some match predictions. I think I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Theo, I'll come to you first. Match prediction. If you're doing a one all draw, they're getting knocked out, aren't they? So that's not very positive. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, going to be, I'm going to give him some positivity. Let's go for another 2-0. Okay, interesting, interesting. After what Tom said before, I'm pretty sure he's going to go for even bigger than that. What's your prediction, Tom? I am, actually, yeah. I'm actually going to say 3-0 because um, I don't know why. I'm just expecting it. the um, the Roma home leg from a few years ago when they just came like flying out the blocks were 5-0 up by like, the 70th minute. I don't think it's going to be that much, but I'm expecting a similar sort of performance where Madrid won't be able to sort of handle the intensity of the performance. I think 3-0 is probably about the limit to that. I don't think 5-0 is realistic. So I thought I'm going to cap it at 3 and then we'll leave it there. So 3-0, yeah. I mean, I I'd take 1-0 if that would be enough. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Lynchy, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I, Tom, we've told you about drinking on these podcasts. <laughs> um, I, I, I'd probably go for a hat-trick of 2-0. That would be a really good result for Liverpool to say to, to Madrid. So hopefully something like that. Yeah, fingers crossed they can get themselves in front. It'd certainly help for that second leg in a few weeks' time. It certainly promises to be an interesting game. We'll have all of the build-up, of course, in all of the usual places. Loads more matchday coverage on Liverpool.com than usual as well, so do go across 
and check that out. All the Echo stuff will be there as well for you on their website. For now, though, we shall leave the podcast there. Thanks to Theo, to Dave, and to Tom for joining me, and for you at home for listening as well. We'll catch you next time here on the Blood Red channel. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.